Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida, you are listening to Freight 360. Whether it's breaking news, tips to increase your business, or just some good old sports talk, this podcast is all about having a conversation about the world of freight. I'm your host, Nate Cross. And Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. All right, welcome back for episode 109 of Freight 360. Ben, how you doing this week? I am doing well. Weather's getting nicer down here, humidity's dropping, and we're on our way to fall. Nice. It's actually, uh, we're in the 70s here in Buffalo today. Um, everyone's getting sick, though. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice. I'm a little nasally today. I'm just getting over a cold. But uh, that's what that's what we get here as we head towards wintertime. So. But hey, welcome back to Freight 360. If you're brand new here, I'm glad you found us. Welcome to Freight 360. We got another great show today. And today's show is going to be all about... No, oh, that was the wrong audio button. But it's going to be all about what is it actually? What actually happens when you close uh, and bring on a brand new customer? I think this is the, what I wanted was the drum roll. There you go. Special effects. So yeah, we're gonna talk all about you know what what is it like when you you, you get a new customer. Um, so what does that process actually look like? Because we've talked all about how to find shippers, how to prospect, how to close them. But that you know let's talk about we're gonna talk about the entire whole process. So um, it's gonna be a good topic. Obviously some Q and A at the end. Uh, but first I, I wanted to to talk about a little sports recap here. Um, ben, ever since week one, there's been nothing but love for my Buffalo Bills and nothing but hate for your Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, They're saying a, it's possibly the worst team in the NFL right now. It has been a downhill so. slide, to say the least. I didn't watch the game versus the Packers, but I did the Bengals, and I watched it all the way until about halfway through the fourth quarter and called it. Yeah. and But I'm looking forward to this weekend. Buffalo is playing in Kansas City. So that should be a – it's going to be a really good – be a great um, game. You know, a rematch of last year's AFC Championship game, uh, but hey, we'll see how it goes. Buffalo's been hot. A second shutout. Um, hockey started up. The Sabers are terrible. I don't know how you're. Do you, are you like a Penguins fan or what? Do you do you follow hockey at all? Uh, I follow the Penguins and so much as I just keep up with what's going on with Pittsburgh. But yeah, yeah. Right on. Anything going on in golf? Are they kind of wrapping up here? Yeah, nothing news. I didn't. I mean, I even if there was, I didn't watch anything. The season's pretty much over after the FedEx. It was a little odd because last year with COVID and everything, there were tournaments all the way into like November, which isn't normally the case. I mean, for the most part, yeah. the season's pretty much over. Shout out to my cousin, yeah. though. Darren Kowalski won, won the low amateur at the Western PA Conference, or it's the Tri-State. And I really should have known this before I gave him a shout out, but it's the uh, Bob Ford Invitational. The guy That's your cousin, you said, right? Yep, Darren Kowalski. He won low amateur and almost won outright. Um, I forget which uh, local pro out of Pittsburgh won um Beat him by two strokes. But Bob Ford is the legendary um, guy behind Oakmont, and now he is um, right up the road at Seminole, the other like okay. super famous, really old course in the United States. Nice. Very cool. It's a, this is a great time of year because you get a little bit of every sport kind of trickled in together. Um, baseball, obviously, we are officially in the postseason now. The Red Sox actually took down the Yankees last night in the one-game wild card match. That was 6-2. to two. I watched that one. Uh, National League plays tonight. Obviously, it's Wednesday when we record. Um, so when this airs on Friday, there's going to be a, a very interesting 
uh, matchup in uh, Major League Baseball. So we'll make sure to follow that throughout the month of October. So uh, good stuff on sports. Before we get into the episode, let's talk about DAT. We've got an awesome webinar that we're hosting next week. Yeah, the attendance, I know, has been really good on that. I'm really looking forward to it. It's a topic that has always been requested. We get people asking about us probably daily asking, you know, how do you get more shippers? How do you find them? Where are we going to go? Where are you going to find prospects? So we're going to be digging in all through that, you know, in the webinar next week, the 12th, right? Yep. One o'clock Eastern on the 12th. There's a link in the episode show notes. Or if you're watching on YouTube, just go right to the description box there. You'll see a link for that registration. There's already over a thousand folks signed up for it. And if you can't actually make it live, they will send out a recorded uh, a link for a recording afterward, too. So make sure you don't miss out on that one. So talk to us about our friends over at DAT. Anyway, obviously, we got a you know free month. Yeah, taking the guesswork out of freight with DAT. The DAT Load Board Network is the largest on-demand freight marketplace in North America, connecting freight brokers with available capacity on any lane. Grow your business with tools that allow you to find new business partners. Plus, you can quickly qualify and onboard new carriers. And with the industry's leading freight rate data, you can make clear and confident pricing decisions. Check out the show notes for a free month of Trucker's Edge, Power, Express. and Express. There it is. <laughs> All three of them. <laughs> love it, love it. Oh, good stuff. All right. So what actually happens when you close a new customer? The reason for this episode, obviously, is you got to kind of... You know, we take a look at segmented parts of building your book of business, right? That could be identifying what, you know, what is your niche? What do you, what do you even want to prospect? And then where do you find shippers? And then how does that prospecting look like? What does follow-up look like? We, we want to actually put it all together and talk through that process. And what does it look like from, you know, you have a, you have a brand new customer and getting them on board. What does that process look like? So let's, let's start with like a 10,000 foot view, Ben. Um, let's say you're brand new broker, you're trained up, uh, maybe you work six months under another um, team or something like that, kind of learning the ropes. So you're, you're, you're seasoned as a broker, right? You know how the operation works and now you're, you're getting new customers. So talk us through that process at a very high level view. So I want to take a step back before I jump into that, right, too, and just add a little bit to like our lead in here. One of the biggest things I think about this industry that causes a lot of frustrations are just incorrect expectations. And I think that's also just true in life, right? That's one of the things I learned a lot about in coaching is having the right expectations. When you know there's a hurdle in front of you, like you don't now also have to deal with how am I getting over the hurdle and the surprise of the hurdle, right? The emotion and the difficulty. And that's really just expectations, knowing where the hurdles are, where you can expect resistance and understanding how long Really, it takes the average person doing this um, to really get customers. And, you know, we had a few people reach out over the past weeks and months. And, you know, some of the expectations were, I think, when people got into this industry, I will pick up the phone, call a shipper because they need trucks. I'm hearing that everywhere. Supply chain's an issue. And they're just going to say, sure, here's some loads. Send send them to some trucks. And then they're going to call a couple carriers. They'll take the loads. They charge a little bit more than they paid. All's right in the world, and we have a profitable freight brokerage, right? <laughs> if it was that easy, wouldn't everyone just be a freight broker then? Or they would be enormous. Every single one of them would be, you know, $200 million companies. 
Yeah. And that's really what we're going to talk about. So, you know, you and I riffed on this a lot off kind of off air and talked about like, this would be a great topic to clarify, like what really happens? Like what happens to somebody in a large brokerage versus a small one? Because it's all pretty much the same thing. It is the process of acquiring and turning a prospect into a real customer, right? And there's a couple different types of customers. You have spot load customers and you have dedicated load customers. In our example, we're going to take you through primarily spot loads because those are- And that's the majority of what you're going to deal with when you're new as a broker anyway. Absolutely. You earn the right to get dedicated lanes later by establishing trust, building a track record, and all the things that we talk about in every week and in our show. So high level view, right? You're going to say, okay, so- you should have your prospects lined up and you're gonna see why you would need the amounts we talk about in our example. So you should have at least 200 prospects lined up before you start dialing. Again, the activity of dialing and lead research should be separate. They should not be done at the same time. So in a separate period of time, you have your 200 leads, you at least have the title or who you're trying to reach out to and the phone numbers, they're in your CRM, you're ready to sit down and dial. Has nothing to do with what we're talking about now. We're assuming that work's done, right? The next thing is we're going to talk a little bit about what you should expect when you're actually calling to close a customer. And the first thing is do not expect to get their business in the first phone call. In fact, right. you should expect to be rejected by at least nine out of 10 people you are calling out of the game. Now, let me ask you this. I want to hop in real quick. So I've said it before myself, and I'm curious your opinion. If on the first call, somebody seems almost desperate or eager to set you up and give you freight to move, should that be a red flag? I'd say yes and no, and I'll tell you why. Because I flipped a customer one time in my career. I picked up the phone, made a cold call, and that happened, and they wanted to send me a load. My first thing I do is I push back a little bit. And I suggest this to everybody, no matter where you're at, it's the go for no strategy because everybody wants things we don't have. And when we seem super eager, like those relationships really aren't built on anything. And when things are built like a house of cards, like they blow over immediately. So you wanna push back and if they go, hey, yeah, glad you called, I do need help on this lane, my carrier fell out on me. Hey, absolutely. But hey, before we jump into that, I want to make sure we're a good fit to work together. And I intentionally try to slow down the conversation and make sure that a lot of the things are in place. Like, okay, first we need to get set up. Do we have the right insurance requirements? And you want to go through those things before you jump into this because there are a lot of things that can and could go wrong. And plus, to your point, some of these people that are really willing to onboard anybody at any time, like they're always gonna act that way. And it's yeah. expensive, they're gonna find a cheaper carrier. Yep, and I've, I've also, I've seen these little pop-up customers that, you know, f- brand new company, they might've had another company or two or three in the past to shut them down because they didn't, you know, they didn't pay their bills and they just popped up as a brand new company. You can't find them in a credit database anymore. And of course, if, they're, if you're willing to move their freight, they'll do it and they're just not going to pay their freight bills. So those are just just a little red flag warning to consider if that happens on the, on the first call. I had a, there's a guy I used to work with. He used the analogy um, of sports betting when he was teaching me this. And he goes, listen, he goes, have you ever heard the analogy that anybody looking for a bookie in the middle of a season, you shouldn't take them on as a client? 
And I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like, oh, because usually they're not paying their bills. That's why they're trying to find somebody else. In the <laughs> they, they, they didn't, the yeah, they didn't square up with their bullshit. Right. It's like, same thing here. They're not paying their bills. You want to make sure you check their credit. You start them off small and you don't not work with them, right? Like, because everybody's eager to get the customer, take the load, but you don't want to start them out with $20,000 in credit. You start out with maybe a prepayment on the load or what have you. Yep. Mitigate that risk. So kind of back to where we were at, like, you have your, your prospecting, right? First expectation is expect to be rejected by like, honestly, everybody you're calling at first. Cause here's the thing, everybody else is calling them too. The other 70,000 odd brokerages and the probably couple hundred thousand brokers working under all of these companies, they're all calling shippers. They're all saying predominantly the same thing. You need a way to stand out. And some of the time standing out is really just the persistence of following up a half dozen times until they realize you genuinely want to earn their business and that you aren't just calling them because you don't care who you work with anyway, because from their point of view, they don't want to work with a brokerage that is genuinely that flippant about who they work with, right? Yep. There needs to be a reason you, you need to, and even if you have to fabricate one as to why you think you're a fit to work with these types of companies or these types of lanes or these types of industries, have something prepared, right? So back to the expectations, you should expect to because the average customer is closed between the eighth and the 12th conversation, right? Which I've always found. And right there, that is a huge expectation that you should be able, that you should be setting with yourself off the bat. Is yes, we said that you know don't expect the first phone call to be customer landed. You're moving freight day one, but that expectation you can start with that eight to twelve. And also remember, based on your skill level and how good you are as a broker and the kind of niche you're in, that can change. It may not always be eight to twelve. There might be certain. You might be going after just a big whale. It might take 20, 30 conversations or, or contacts before you're even in the conversation with them. And there's others, if you're in a specific niche and you're really good with a certain carrier network or a certain equipment type, maybe it's three or four. Absolutely. So I just want to point that out. And, and then I think here's another good time frame that you can lay over this to see, right? Like when you're feeling how well am I doing, right? Should take you about two months to turn a prospect into a new customer. And if you're talking to them about every week, there's your you know six to eight to 12 conversations. It's like two months to three months for your average customer, right? And the bigger yeah. ones, to your point, took me anywhere from 10 months to two years because there's more bureaucracy, there's more people involved, there's more approvals, and there's just more steps involved. So I, I wanna add this in too. We had this question come up in a coaching call a couple of weeks ago when we talked about having repetition and follow-ups and someone said like, so how often should I be calling, uh, you know, following up? Should it be every day? Cause this is a guy that he's new into brokerage and his previous job was he sold cars. So we had to use the analogy. Well, think about it. When someone goes into a car dealership, you know that they are looking to buy a new vehicle. Quickly too, like their average. You want to get on them. Cause if, you, yep. if you're not the one to close them, they're going to go to the, the dealership next door or down the road. Freight brokering is different, right? You're the one reaching out to them trying to get a sale. They're not calling you trying to get a truck for one of their loads. They're not going to cold call you say, hey, you're a freight broker. Can you get me some trucks? It's very, very different. If you do that every day type thing, 
you'll become very annoying and sound needy, and they're probably just going to start to screen your calls. And, and there's and there's a good reason for that, right? The good reason is a, a consumer of a car is likely going to buy a car usually in the next few days, like two to three days to five days. Um, the average person, the average shipper is already working with a broker. And right now, they're already working with many brokers. So the next expectation, and you should expect to have to overcome this, and this is whether or not a shipper even expresses this, it is almost always there, is they expect that all brokerages operate the same. They, and you will hear occasionally somebody be honest and say, look, why do I need another broker? Like, you're just gonna post my loads up to the boards. I already have six and these guys have worked with me for years. Like, what are you providing me in value that I'm not already getting? And that's usually the unsaid objection that takes three or four or five or six candid conversations to establish enough trust for them to be honest about why they're actually not onboarding you. And this is usually the reason, right? It's at least one. Yep. And that's where you've got to come up with whatever that is that is your basically specialty within brokerage, right? Like maybe it's that you guys work with companies in that niche. Maybe you guys predominantly move open deck stuff for the type of commodity they ship. Your carriers only run those types of commodities. And that's why you genuinely feel you would be a good fit as a brokerage to work with them. Other things that are cues to them is you want to be able to drop that like you have trucks that are looking for backhauls or looking for reloads or even better if this is a shipper that you have delivered to or picked up from at any point in time, you now have a customer in common that makes them feel a little more comfortable. All of these all these little things, you're you're sprinkling little bits of trust and dependability into the conversation every single time. And again, this can happen over a number of conversations. Some of my favorites are, are those, uh, you, you know, some people would call them like a discovery call, mm -hmm. right? Uh, or you're, just, you're basically, you're just kind of getting to know their business and getting to know them. You're not trying to close any business out of them or get, you know, trying to extract anything other than just information. You just want to know, because at the end of the day, when you get good at this, you might talk to a prospect that's qualified, but you don't want to, you don't want to spend your time with them. You would rather work with this other customer over here because it's a better fit overall. Absolutely. And that's really what you're trying to work towards, right? Like, and I've always found this really, really fascinating because as you and I have, you know, jumping into this next industry where we do some business to consumer stuff and we do a lot more of content marketing. When I learned about how consumers actually purchase products online, it's almost identical. It's like you need eight to 12 impressions before somebody has enough trust in your brand for them to click through it. And then they need to see it an average of two to three more times before they're comfortable enough to make any purchasing decision. And it's literally the same yeah. thing. You're just literally, you're creating the impressions with your phone calls. And to your point, right, mix it up. You've said this often, text messages, emails. They don't have to tell them that you can do everything. You're just looking to make an impression that you're in this for the right reason. And you're trying to establish yep. more of that with them. I want to add this in here too, is that, you know, you talked about some of the, I guess I'll call it like the specials or the secret sauce. Like what's the secret sauce that makes us such a good brokerage or makes me such a good broker. It's not always, you know, Hey, we're a family owned company or we have trucks in the area or we move southbound or Southeast outbound, 
mm-hmm. open deck, whatever. A lot of times the special sauce or the secret sauce is you as the individual. That rapport that you're building, that trust that you're building, that dependability, that likability, right? That's the secret sauce. It's so big, right? Another one of my favorite analogies for this is freight brokers really operate very much like temp workers for shippers, right? Like, because that's what they do. <laughs> so really- Really good point. But like shippers outsource what they don't have time to do. They're really outsourcing you to go find them a truck, to post it up, to work the market, to get them what they don't have time to do so they can go back and do whatever else, right? And I can't tell you how many customers I've talked to when I was a manager of other brokers, right? Because you go and you check up with their customers and you say, hey, how's everything going, right? What can we do better? What can we work on? And almost always the customers with the best retention or the ones that were most profitable almost always said, personal things about their broker like it was never any of the the like bells and whistles the features the functions it was like i just really like working with sandy or paul has just been a fantastic broker he answers when i call when there's a problem he's the first person to tell me and he's always the kind of broker that when he brings me the problem he tells me what he's doing to solve it and allows me to come up with options like these things aren't difficult they're well they're simple they're not necessarily easy. And that's why we advocate these things over and over. Like it's not brain surgery. Yep. I, I love the whole idea of, you know, mixing your personality and who you are into your prospecting and into your conversations. And this goes with, you know, once you bring a new customer on too, is to maintain that. Don't let that go away. The majority of conversations that I have that are the most enjoyable on the phone, even to this day, I'm talking about, you know, my Buffalo Bills or, you know, just what's what's going on and stuff that I'm interested in. Right. Whether it's uh, sports or you name it. Right. Um, always keep that in there. There's, you know, everyone there's going to come a time when it's busy and you got to get, you know, it's crunch time. You got to talk business and talk shop and get that stuff taken care of. But when you've got that downtime, always continue to build that rapport. You think about it like you just said, you, sh- you know, knowing like what's their family situation, you know, how many kids do they have? Do the kids play sports and what activities are they involved in? All that stuff. It just, it builds rapport and it builds that relationship. That is why a good freight broker can build a book of business and they can move it somewhere else down the road. So like, you know, me in the agent world, right? If an agent comes from another company and they're a good freight broker, the majority of their book of business will transition and will transport with them to the new brokerage. And that's because they've built that rapport, they've built that reliability and dependability. And they just, honestly, the the customers like them as a person and they like their customers. So that's that's extremely important. That's what travels with you, right? As you're saying that, I could seriously name like five of my customers and I could still tell you their kids' names, what sports they played, what what their interests were, like what they typically did on weekends because it really is a lot like you're going to work with these people, right? So like yep. Mondays, everybody just catches up on what everyone did on the weekends. Like I still like, yep. same thing on Fridays. What do you guys like planning, anything, you know, news, weddings, travels, vacations, all of those things are important because they establish the fact that like, these people want to work with brokers that like they actually want to work with, right? Like they want to call somebody yep. they enjoy talking to. So there's a, um, there's, you know, and I've had people ask me before, well, how do I get better at this? How do I get better at sales or more likable? And I mean, there's a personality trait that, that goes along with it, but you can always improve on that and make it better. Absolutely. And I always tell people just go be more conversational in your everyday life. 
right? Go, Everywhere. go have a, have a random conversation with somebody, right? Talk to the cashier when you're checking out at the grocery store, <laughs> ask the person in line behind you, you know, how's it going? We covered this topic and I'm going to, when I find this link again, we'll put it somewhere on our site, but it really showed how practicing small talk, which honestly in society gets a bad rap because people look at it and go, oh, there's not really much value in this. But what really happens like psychologically in that little period of small talk is two people really just trying to find common interest and comfort with each other. And that is what you're practicing because that is the exact same thing you need to do over yep. and over again when you're on the phone and you're prospecting. So when you're at the grocery store, pick up small talk. When you go to buy a coffee, ask the, the person there, the barista, how their day was. Try to pick up on anything because the more you do that, the better it is is anything. It's a skill and it's practice. Like there's some inherent ability, but trust me, it can be learned if you put yourself out of your comfort zone. Definitely. All right, so let's keep moving down the train here, right? You're, you're having these conversations, you get your expectations set. What is the next thing that we can expect to run into? So the next thing you're gonna expect is if you're continually building trust and you're asking them, hey, you know, if there are some opportunities or here's where I'm always at is just asking them, I'm really just looking for an opportunity where you need some help and for me to be able to see if we're a good fit to help you, right? I wanna make sure I don't overpromise and undercommit. You know, there's that old rule of thumb, underpromise and then overdeliver. So as you're talking, yep. it's, hey, I'm just looking for some opportunities that I can help you. Let me know if you've got a fallout on a Friday afternoon or one of your carriers drops the ball. I don't know if I'll be able to cover it right away, but the more I am aware of where your needs are, the more I can work my carrier base to fit your needs because that's what yep. happens organically over time anyway. Yeah, and um, there's a, a phrase in sales that's, you know, ask for the sale, right? And in brokerage, it's kind of weird because we're not just, we're not selling a product, right? Yep. We're, we're courting a service. So asking for the sale with a new shipper could sound something like, hey, do you, you know, could you send me over a couple of lanes that you're struggling with this week? And, you know, I could take a look at my, the carriers in my network and see if I've got any good fits for you. Right. Yep. That's, that's an example of asking for this. And sale. that's one of my favorite ones, by the way, going behind in time, right? Because if you ask them for something in the future, there's risk there for them. There's much less risk looking at what they've already completed. And it should provide you the same value because if you are genuinely going to go back to your carrier base or to see if these are lanes that fit for your brokerage, looking at last week's loads should help you just as much. And it doesn't seem like you're not asking for the world. You're not asking for marriage on your first date, right? Like you're asking for what is equivalent for somebody you've only talked to twice. Yep. You're asking about past exactly. relationships, basically. So kind of to that same point, right? Like ex what are you expecting, right? So they're gonna maybe send you some lanes, right? But it is always important that you ask, right? They are never gonna come out of nowhere and just start sending you stuff. You wanna be making sure that like, as you're establishing that is asking like, hey, is there something I can work on for you? Is there something you have? I can't tell you how many people don't ask this question and how many customers were turned from this one simple question of, is there anything on your desk that I could work on right now, right? So many people don't yep. ask that question and I can't tell you how many times I've heard somebody ask and they went, yeah, actually I got a load right now. I haven't even sent out. Why don't you take a look at it? Because it doesn't have to go out till tomorrow and see if you can work your rate. That's usually where some of your first opportunities are gonna come from anyway. And that's, so when you look at time management and, and kind of how to plan out your day as a broker, that first 
chunk of time in your day for the majority of good brokers, they're reaching out to their customers and their um, you know, folks that even if they're a new customer or a new, it's a new customer of theirs and asking, hey, what do you have going on today? What can I work on for you today? Right. Don't think that you have to come in right away and, oh, they're just going to call me and give yeah. me three lanes to work on. Like, no, you've got to reach out to them. You've got to establish that contact. And that's part of that can be part of those eight to 12 contacts on average is you actually yeah. reaching out and asking, what do you have right now that I can work on now that we've established some rapport? And that's the thing. Like, I don't want to go super far on this topic, but that's why when you first start this industry, it seems terrible because every one of your calls, you're free of a pretty high likelihood you're going to get rejected. But once you mixing yep. in the follow-ups, like, hey, maybe I only talk to one or two decent people all day, right? 98 rejections. Well, guess what? Next week, I have two follow-ups. And then if you can get two people a day, next week, you have 10 follow-ups. The week after, you've got 20. Now you got mixing in conversations with genuinely people who are okay to talk to and being yep. rejected. It does get easier as you progress, right? Yeah. Not every day as a freight broker for your entire career is is you trying to find 200 brand new leads and cold calling them. Right. That, that is not how it works. In the beginning, that is an expectation that you need to just accept because that's that's the world we live in. You're starting with nothing. Unless you start at a brokerage that's gonna assign accounts to you. If you're building a book from scratch, you're gonna spend the beginning like that. But like you just said, over time, you're filtering in follow-ups and working with new customers a year. So good stuff, good stuff. Um, anything else you want to hit on in, in particular on this topic before we uh, move Just on? Just the, the one last thing I kind of wanted to cover is like expect your shippers to be paying much less than what you see as a market rate. Okay. And I think that's yep. probably one of the main things that I wanted to make sure we cover in this episode is like it, you are not going to start by a shipper offering you more money than it will cost you to have that load moved. That is the job of being a freight broker. It's not just getting the customers. It's once you get them, being able to negotiate the shipper up enough that you have enough room to actually cover the truck and then eventually getting more and more carriers that need that lane and are willing to prioritize direction over price. Yep. And that's really important because at first, you're likely only going to get carriers that call on your post that want the highest paying lanes. Some will call because they just want the direction and there's a very big difference between the two. And I will say eventually, right? And this is when you when you hit that success point, you can get to a point with a lot of customers where they, they'll tell you, hey, just let me know what this one costs, yep. right? And that's, that's our goal. That's the golden goose right there. That's what you wanna get to, but that takes a long time. And that's trust, that's they've seen your lanes, they've met your carriers, they know you've come through. And to be honest, the fastest way I've seen to expedite this is when something goes wrong. And normally when something goes wrong, we feel like, oh, this is the worst thing in the world. I'm gonna lose a customer. I've been there. I've had the butterflies and the anxiety where I thought I was gonna lose all this yep. business. And you know what every single one turned into for me? It turned into this opportunity to build so much more trust. And it's because of exactly what you and I talk about, which was you do the right thing. You call them and you give them the news that you're terrified to give them, but you do it anyway, right? And you know what they do? Yep. It's not as bad They'll as you appreciate the honesty. and they respect it and they trust you moving forward. And it's like, I've had books of business blow up right after something horrible happens because they realize their fear of, I don't know how this broker will act when something goes wrong. As soon as they know that for sure, then they feel a lot more comfortable by really you know, oh, yeah. letting the reins loose kind of, so to speak. 
Yeah, when, when they can see how you respond and how you react to a bad situation, that's going to really show a lot about your character. So good stuff. I mean, there's there are so many so many parts of this discussion that we can dig into. I don't want to get too detailed on any part of it, uh, but that's, you know, that's kind of your expectation moving down the sales pipeline of, you know, that first outreach until you're, you know, you get that person on board as a customer. So um, like we said, every customer is going to be a little bit different. So that there's not a cookie cutter, you know, expectation that you should set like, oh, it's, you know, it's been 12 contacts and nothing, nothing worked yet. Um, so just keep that in mind. So. We got three good Q&A questions here, but first we gotta give a shout out to our friends over at Lean Solutions Group. So whether you're looking for help with staffing, with technology, marketing, or you know, pretty much just anything, account management, I mean, it, as any brokerage is growing now, Lean, we just had Trey on last week and we were talking about them. There's, there's a, a solution, right? And that's part of their name, Lean Solutions Group. There's a solution that they can offer for just about any brokerage out there and any need that they're running into. And a big part of it right now is obviously staffing. Right. We, we talked about this in depth last week with the labor shortage um, with their nearshore model down in Columbia, South America. You can get folks in seats at a fraction of the price that you could in the U.S. And they're already vetted and trained in logistics and transportation brokerage specifically. So check them out at leangroup.com. There is a link in the show notes. All right. First question is about detention. This comes from one of our listeners. Uh, he asked, when it comes to detention, is this something that's figured out or that's figured into the rate when you get a load? Or is it something that you call the shipper about when it happens? And do the shippers usually know when that's going to happen? So they're expecting that it's a possibility. All right. My biggest thing with detention is it should never be something that you go, oops, it happened. Now what? Right. Shippers know that detention is possible at their facility. You're not the first broker that's going to run into it with them. You're not, the, you're not going to hire the first carrier that's going to run into it with them. They should have a standard operating procedure of how much they pay in detention and when that detention starts. So, for example, it might be, hey, the first two hours are free, right? That driver can expect to wait up to two hours without any additional pay. After two hours or whatever that time frame is, we will pay you know, $50 an hour for detention until that truck's out of there. And the good thing about detention is that it, it is motivating the shipper to not have those issues, otherwise they're gonna have to pay it. And you should clearly state what those detention rates are and the expectations of the timeline with your carriers before you're hiring them and sending out that rate confirmation. Anything you wanna add in there? Beth? It should be on your rate con what you pay for detention. Yes. Um, and you should know the detention policy in regards to how to submit with your shipper when you set up with them. Like some of them will require, almost all require sign in, sign out. Um, but you also are gonna need the POD signed, stamped by someone at that facility to usually submit for the detention. And you wanna make sure your carriers are aware because can't tell you how many carriers will send you that without it. And then you'll, and I've seen somebody pay that to the carrier and then not be able to get it reimbursed by their customer. So you want to know yep. how you specifically and the time frame to turn it around. Because some of them, like if you're dealing with a factoring company and your carriers are on quick pay, like you need to turn this around to be able to invoice at the same time you pay your carrier. And that's why you've got to be able to be on top of these things. That's it. And anytime you up a good point with the Raycon, anytime there's any change to a carrier's pay, you need to be sending out a new rate confirmation that establish or that distinguishes what that change is. And that goes for adding detention, um, deducting for anything. If you have a lumper added in there, whatever it is, 
always send out an updated rate confirmation and make sure that that carrier acknowledges it. A lot of times there's like digital signing or they can just reply to the email. Hey, got it. Good to go. Um, good question, though. OK, next question. If I'm adding trucks to my brokerage, do I need to get a second MC number? Um, so technically you don't, right? There, you can have a dual authority of broker and carrier. So like, uh, it's not common. Uh, okay, I guess let me give you my answer. You should, yes, you should, you should get a second MC. But there are certain MC numbers that um, companies have. If you look them up in FMCSA, it'll show broker and carrier. Um, but most companies that are a brokerage and a trucking company, they will have two separate MC numbers. And there's multiple reasons for that. The most common is insurance, okay? Let's say, for example, you have a $50 million brokerage company, and then you have a small trucking fleet that does maybe $5 million a year in business. If Okay, so first of all, both of them have to, have to carry different insurance policies, right? General liability versus cargo versus contingent, all that stuff, right? If you go to an insurance company and you say, hey, I need to get um, insurance for my trucking company, and they say, well, how big is it? How much business do you do per year? If your company does just $5 million a year versus the entire, both of them do $55 million a year, it looks like you have a lot more exposure from an actuarial standpoint. So for that reason, cost-wise, it is smarter to have two separate MC numbers. The other reason is to prevent the possibility of someone thinking you're going to double broker a loadout. So you're going to take it as a carrier and then rebroker it out uh, to another carrier. So those are my two reasons. Do you have anything else you'd add in there on that? Yeah, the biggest reason that I've always thought is more the protection of your assets because um, one, your brokerage and your assets that you own under your MC, if you own a trucking company, you want to be able to separate them so that they aren't tied to each other. For instance, like if you had a liability and you got sued under your brokerage, they could literally come after the assets that are underneath that same company. When they're in separate entities, legal entities, you have the corporate veil protecting one from the other. That's true. So like in my company, I'm with Pierce Worldwide Logistics, right? We have an asset division called Warren Pearson Company. Um, I have plenty of my agents that they use company trucks to cover their freight. But the way that transaction works is we are set up with their customer as a brokerage. And then our brokerage brokers a load to our company truck. Totally separate entities. Yes, they are co-owned. Um, everyone's aware that we have we have trucks, but we're not guaranteed to put you know their load on one of our trucks. But they'll know it's got a separate name, a separate MC number. But we have control over it, and that's the big value add. So, good question. Last question is: Can can you work for two brokerages? Um, you absolutely can. Uh, it's more common in the agent world because W2, you're going to usually run into like a non-compete, non-solicit where you wouldn't legally be able to work for our brokerage. Uh, but you'll see some agents that they will choose to be an agent with two different companies. And there's a couple of reasons for it. Um, one of the most common is, and this is not necessarily a good reason, but they might work with two, uh, two agent-based brokerages as an agent to try and get more credit for a customer. They might get 50 grand from one, 50 grand from another. And then when they run up one credit line, they're gonna book it through the other. And that's just not good. It's just not good business. But where I have seen it be, be beneficial is, let's say um, 
you have all your full truckload through one brokerage that is really, really strong in full truckload, right? They've got great pricing tools, a great carrier network, great operations team. And then you have your LTL, your Expedite through another agent-based company and that's their bread and butter is that those smaller shipments and they've got great relationships with those LTL carriers and that process operates smoothly that way. That is a way that I've seen people do it. Um, you know, be an agent for two different companies or broker under two different MC numbers. Um, anything outside of that, it's usually there's not a good reason for it. And that's why I kind of brought up that credit line issue before. And it's, you know, I would rather see somebody have their entire book under one, uh, you know, under one organization and fix the credit problem before they try to diversify it out under two different companies. So, and then back to the W2 thing, obviously you're likely going to be restricted to the company you're working with by your employment contract. So, but no, there's no legal reason that you cannot do that as far as like FMCSA. Good stuff. Good questions. Keep them coming, guys. We get a lot of a lot of requests every day on, you know, you fill out the form on our website. It gets emailed right to Ben and I, and we try to give a at least a brief res, brief response to you guys over email, and then we'll answer it on the show. Uh, we can't always get to all the questions, but we do appreciate you sending them over. So good stuff. Good stuff. I'm excited for this webinar next week. As am looking I. forward to I'm it. Really, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm anxious to see how it's going to be. And that's going to be the largest one that I've ever done. I've done one that was a couple hundred people. So we'll see. I mean, I'm really excited for it. I think it's going to be a good time. And we already have the one planned after that. So if you are going to be in the first one, we have a second one already kind of lined up. It's going to flow right into yep. it. So we're likely going to be doing kind of a series of these. So really anxious to kind of kick this one off till it goes. And if you're more of the if you're more of the interactive type when it comes to these webinars or trainings, check out our group coaching. They've been getting really, really awesome the last couple of sessions here. We're getting to know the folks that are in the in the group and they're asking questions and, you know, kind of interacting with one another. Um, you know, pe people come prepared with questions to talk about or we just kind of dig into whatever's going on uh, that specific week with with each person. And so uh, you can always go right to the show notes and, and check out our group coaching. If you do buy the Freight Broker Basics course, you get a free month so you can try out the coaching before you actually commit to it. Uh, but definitely check that out. The one of the things that I think is really nice to see is that like our group has really come together. Um, they're genuinely caring about each other within the group because they're all at the same place and what they're learning. So they're sharing resources. They're helping each other out with the questions they have, which was, you know, your and I vision when we first started this. It's really kind of nice to seeing this come together. It's I don't know. It's why I enjoy Yeah, We're not lecturing anybody. Right. This is all, it is all real world, real questions. And like you just said, there are, someone will ask a question and then, you know, we'll give our answer and our advice, but there's an, another student in there will oftentimes jump in and give their feedback. Cause you know, a lot, a lot of these folks are in, um, they're newer to brokerage, but they all have different backgrounds and they have different kinds of customers and books of business. And it just helps to collaborate and get multiple minds in on it. So, I think, and I think, you know, it's really great. Everyone more or less has somewhat of an opportunity to work from home, but there are drawbacks, right? And it's kind of being in that bubble. You don't know what you don't know. It's hard to get perspective on things. And I think, you know, this has really provided that avenue and that information to the market. So really excited everyone. Absolutely. Yeah, good stuff. All right. So this weekend, my Buffalo Bills. Wait, hold on. We didn't even talk about Tom Brady going back to New England. Come on. I didn't want to. And beating his old Patriots. Did he win? Nice. Yeah. Well, that's funny because. Um, Did Andy Reid win in Philly? 
Yes. Yeah, he got his 100th. Remember yeah. Trey was talking about it? Yeah, he did. Um, so he got his 100th win for both teams now. I think is what it was, yeah. right? Um, so Tom Brady almost lost, actually, in, in New England um, because the Patriots missed a field goal at the end of the game. Hit the upright. Wow. So, yeah. And then Brady got the ball back, and they were able to just kneel it out. There was like a minute and change left or something like that. Um, but, yeah, so Bills, Kansas City. Here's my quick prediction. I'm going to go Bills by 10. Um, I think it's going to be a moderate scoring game. I don't think the Bills are going to be putting up, you know, 40 points like they did last week. Uh, but I think you're going to see a handful of touchdowns. So I'm stuff. looking forward. When is it, 1 o'clock or 4? Four. It's gotta be a four. It's a it's a it's the Sunday night. Yeah, I'm like, game. It's, it's like gotta be the prime time. Yeah. Yeah. Eight twenty. There it is. Eight twenty on ESPN. Oh, I wonder what the spread is on this. I'm gonna, I said Bills by ten. I bet it's like a three or four point spread right now. Let me take a look. I always love seeing two good teams. Yeah, the the matchup predictor gives it just about a fifty fifty chance. It's got uh oh and actually it has KC favored two and a half points. So I'm taking the Bills, though, all day long. Any final thoughts, Ben? Whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. And until next time, go Bills. That wraps up this episode of Freight 360. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to check out all the other episodes for even more great content. Check out the show notes for links to any articles and content that we referenced on this episode. Visit us on the web at www.freight360.net. And if you'd like to learn more about a new home for your agency, contact me directly. And if you'd like to learn more about me coming out to run a free complimentary sales training for your team, check me out on LinkedIn or again at www.freight360.net.